see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, I'm Sean Riley, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. On this episode, we complete our two-part journey into the secrets of sustainability with Tetra Pak and the Compass Group USA. In part one, Tetra Pak's Angela Peterson and the Compass Group USA's Marissa Gollison tackled on-package messaging for both brands and the consumers. Basically, what you need to get on the package to attract consumers on retail shelves. In part two, we take a look at the ways each generation views and incorporates sustainable principles into their everyday lives. Understanding baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, or Gen Y's different generational buy-ins to the culture of recycling and sustainability. In the, in the realm of sustainability, something as simple as being recyclable isn't getting too far into the weeds in the sustainable part of, you know, the conversation. It's kind of not the low-hanging fruit, but, you know, recycling has been around for, for decades. Why now, and I understand that it's it's clearly a, a generational thing to some degree and a, and a more awareness of the environment, what is it? What was kind of the impetus where now suddenly people are a more concerned with recycling in general and b to finally getting because I, I feel like if you go to other countries in Europe where you'll, you know, it is very clearly identified that like this is where you're going to throw your glass away. And this is where you're going to throw this plastic away. And it's it is universal versus the way you just described kind of here in the US where I don't know, you know, what goes in my recycling that I'm putting on the curb every week. So is that just kind of a, would you just say that's a generational thing that, that people have become more aware of it? So at taking this a little bit to a macro level, um, up until 2019, most Western countries were shipping our recyclables to China who had the labor and the infrastructure to manage all of the materials that we were using on a day-to-day basis. Um, so basically for the last uh, 20, 30 years, the U.S. and other Western countries had not had to invest in the infrastructure domestically because you know, we had this great system where China would process the materials and then sell the the raw materials back to be put into new goods and new packaging. One of the challenges specifically from the U.S. is that we supported and and have created the mainstream of single stream recycling. Um, Single stream recycling is where you just put all of your materials, paper, cartons, 
glass, plastics, um, all in one bin. And then we rely on material recovery facilities to sort through those and put them in the appropriate streams for them to get recycled. The challenge is that it leads to a lot of contamination and the materials that we were sending to China weren't as clean as as they should have been. Um, and so they weren't getting the returns that they needed. And so the national sword policy put forward by China um, launched in 2017 and finalized in 2019 really was, you know, the last straw of what we could send, you know, out of the US. And I think that was really the waking up moment for us and saying, we use a lot of stuff. <laughs> we go through a lot of materials and we don't have the infrastructure domestically to be able to handle these. And then I think also, you know, compared to Europe, the consumer behavior side of things, you know, if you go to Denmark or Sweden, it's like there's like a 10, 20 bin system yeah. where you're separating your PET plastics from your HDPEs to your LDPEs. And you ask the average consumer in the US and they're like, well, plastic is plastic. And that's, you know, that's not necessarily the case. And so I think that all of these, you know, macro level, global level issues have compounded to create this, um, you know, this mound of packaging waste that we have in the US that we've been, you know, organizations like Tetra Pak and Consumer Brands Association and Compass Group and, you know, all of these different organizations, you know, are coming together to try to to figure out these issues through coalitions and, um, you know, PMMI was part of the Recycling Leadership Council, which right. we, um, you know, hosted through Consumer Brands Association. And it's like, this is not something one organization can solve alone. You know, we need massive coalitions to, to you know, come to the federal government and say, we, we need your support. We need your action to be able to, to make moves and, and solve these issues at a systems level versus an individual brand level. Sorry, that was a long answer to that question. No, I and, and it's my fault for like <laughs> pin, pulling the pin on that grenade and kind of throwing it and running away. Um, but I do appreciate the explanation. It's something that that just is always confounded me as what kind of flipped the switch where now, you know, this has become, because again, I, I followed this for years and now it we're getting to the point where it's reaching the, the consumer level and, I, and it can kind of lead me to my next question where how are we getting what are we doing with the packages and what are we doing with the logos and the branding um to make the consumer willing to pay because more often than not it's going to be more expensive um unless i'm, I'm missing something um from what i understand and from everything i'm reading that you know it, it's going to be more expensive expensive to buy, you know, product A that's in this wonderful sustainable package that disappear in a year um, versus, you know, good old fashioned something that's been around forever. I don't want to bash any of our packaging materials um, on a packaging podcast, but, you know, something that'll be around for a long time and needs a lot of work to recycle. So how do we reconcile that for the consumer to make them willing to, you know, versus this impulse one time buy, be more aware or or deal with the, you know, the long-term effects that this purchase is going to have. Right. And so from a industry-wide perspective, and when I say industry, it's like the entire packaging industry. So it's 
um, you know, apparel, it's consumer packaged goods, it's anything that is sold in a package. <laughs> so right now in the U.S. and globally, there are different policies being looked at to try to right size the economics of recycling. Recycling is always going to be more expensive than putting something in a landfill. And so that is the crux of this issue from a longer term standpoint of like, how do we get recycled materials to be on the same playing field as version materials? And so there's different policies, um, recycled content mandates, extended producer responsibility that help to facilitate that pull through of the materials that end up at a material recovery facility, but aren't necessarily getting recycled because there isn't a marketplace for them. So recycled content mandates basically set a percentage that a brand has to hit in order to sell their products in a, in a given region. Um, so you know, 35% recycled content mandate, 50% recycled content mandate, whatever it is, um, creates that pull through so that if you're a recycler, then you have a guaranteed marketplace to sell your products. Extended producer responsibility is a method where policymakers put some form of fee on the producers, typically the brand owners, that would then um, internalize the cost of recycling and the pollution that comes from packaging waste. And then, you know, then that is able to, you know, pass it through the entire supply chain and cover the cost of recycling. Um, so that's more of the economic side of things of like, how can we create a circular economy for packaging? And a lot of this is figuring out where to put those fee structures. I think the greater challenge, which Angela can talk more to is like, how do we get through those hurdles right now where the cost is going to be higher in the short term as we get to these longer term solutions? And I think that is the, you know, million dollar question. If I had a really strong answer for you, um, <laughs> I would be, you know. Yeah, we would not be on this podcast together uh, right now. Well known <laughs> you would not point, be doing this with us. You'd be way higher. No, no, no. But I think, you know, what I encourage brands to do is to share their results. Um, demonstrate to the consumer how, you know, they are making improvements in their packaging and what that means and why it's important that, you know, their their fan base continues to support them. So I mentioned um, previously about the Carbon Trust logo. So we have the option for brands to move in, you know, from traditional fossil-based fuel plastics um, to plant-based plastics. Um, and with that, you know, we're encouraging brands to say, you know, this package now comes with plant-based coatings or caps. This is how it reduces the footprint of this package. So we're able to demonstrate, you know, we are making improvements. You know, your money is going to something that is making a difference today. And so I think, you know, if you are able to communicate results um, on package or, you know, update, you know, consumers about what's new, 
it helps them to understand how they play a role in your journey. Obviously, that won't change everyone's mind. I think, you know, everybody right now realizes, you know, things are getting more expensive in general. There's only so many dollars that most families have to spend. But I think it's really about trying to give the consumer um, kind of some ownership in your success. So they kind of share that, you know, the success with you. They feel like they're on the journey Mm -hmm. with you. Um, And then, you know, continue to update your consumers. Um, You know, social media is a great place to do that. Provide those updates. Let them know where you are on the journey. So I just want to ask one more thing to to kind of um, to to wrap this, you know, put a bow on this for us, um, because I could talk to you all day and would love to have this back again. But we've talked about the FTC Green Guides and they're coming up on almost 10 years old and they're, they're going to be up for review in 2022. So with all this that we've talked about, I guess what, or what does the FTC need to include in this next round? You know, these updates that hopefully are, are going to answer some of the questions that we've, we've brought up on here. What do they need to put in there to make this easier for the processor, the packager, the, the consumer, um, you know, across the sustainable board? Um, so I'll keep it a, a, a bit high level here just for the sake of time, but in updating the FTC green guides, I think the greatest win could come from um, providing as transparent and consistent ways of measuring and um, providing um, ways so that there isn't multiple interpretations of Um, a specific message. Um, I know that we're seeing that right now with recyclability and just, you know, it it is extremely challenging distilling down these massively complex calculations into a specific way to message it. If I think about how we calculate carbon emissions, um, being able to message on that is extremely challenging. And so how can we, how can we think about the ways that brands can communicate and how simple it needs to be and then working backwards from there and trying to figure out okay given how simple the messaging needs to be but the legal guidelines behind it needs to be extremely robust in order to get to those super simple messages that brands can put on pack Um, the other thing and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention it on this podcast is have an eye for the future smart packaging, QR codes, digital watermarks. There is a wealth of opportunity in these technologies to be able to provide further information to consumers that we just cannot fit on a package right now, especially as we're trying to limit the amount of packaging that is put in the marketplace, downsize all packaging, but increase the amount of certifications, increase the amount of of content on pack. And so those are the two major pieces that I would say, and just, you know, think about the environmental issues that we're talking about today that weren't discussed in in 2012 and make sure that all of those different areas are being included. I agree a hundred percent, Marissa. And I think from a, you know, a communicator's perspective, you know, working with brands um, and packaging suppliers I think anything that can be done to make the claims as easy to understand, not just for consumers, but for brands as well, 
will be incredibly helpful. Um, you know, we work with a lot of brands where even internally, really making sure that they understand their own sustainability claims takes a lot of work to get there. Um, and so, you know, if the green guidelines are as clear to understand as possible and each claim is, you know, very easy to navigate to determine if it makes sense for you or not, will be very helpful. You know, we see some terms that are a little, you know, a little fuzzy, things like biodegradable. What does that really mean? I think if you ask anyone, um, they are going to give you a different response. And, you know, I think when we look at terms like that, we need to say, like, it has to be biodegradable within, you know, this specific time frame um, under these conditions. You know, I think we're starting to see more plant-based materials on the market. Right. How does right. plant-based vary from natural, vary from bio-derived? Um, and I think there's still just a lot of gray areas and a lot of sustainability claims. So I think just really setting some very clear parameters on what a lot of these different topics mean will be incredibly helpful, you know. 2022 is a very different world than we had in 2012. So um, we're seeing a lot more scrutiny. We're seeing a lot of consumers that are able to find a lot of this information on their own, which is leading to additional you know, questions. People really want to be educated and they don't want to have to necessarily find it themselves. They want that clear, transparent and accurate information served up to them on their package. That is exactly what I needed in a nutshell to kind of, to kind of wrap this up from both of you on a, on a higher level. And then again, on a, on a, on a more um, intimate on the actual package level, I just keep thinking like, maybe we just need to update these guides a little more often because 10 years seems like a long time in this industry. Um, but with that being said, I can't thank you enough, Marissa and Angela for coming on here and kind of getting into the weeds a bit, as well as giving us a high view on some of these sustainable issues that we're facing from the company through the processing, through the packaging and all the way down to the package level. So with that, thank you, Marissa, for coming on. And thank you, Angela, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Please rate, review and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.